welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Happy Halloween, everybody! Halloween 2018. We are stoked to be bringing you our final in our yearly Halloween series this year. And today we decided to do, apropos, uh, 31. 31 is, uh, stands for the day of Halloween. And so, therefore, this movie by Rob Zombie, which came out in 2016, takes place on Halloween, which makes it perfect for our Halloween episode today. Yep. I have to admit, Craig, this is the very first time I've ever seen a Rob Zombie movie. Isn't that That's weird? crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you didn't I, even see the Halloween remakes or anything. Oh, you're right. Okay, never mind. I did see the the, the Halloween remake. I saw the first oh, Halloween okay. remake, and gotcha. But I don't. I mean, that's not typical of his films, is it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely got some of his typical stuff. I mean, I guess first and foremost that Sherry Moon Zombie's in it because she's in all of his movies. That's his wife, right? Yeah, it's his wife, and and she's in. I don't know. I think I've seen all of his movies. No, that's a lie because I haven't seen Lords of Salem. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she, he he always casts her, which is kind of cute and sweet and romantic. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, you do what you want to do when you're making the movie, right? Uh, <laughs> right. But you know, I mean. I, is she a better actress in some of the other movies? I don't remember her no. in Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. She oh. played she played Michael Myers' mom in uh, the in both in in both his Halloween movies. Um, it's funny, you know. Every time I talk to anybody about uh, Rob Zombie's movies, I always bring up the fact that he always casts his wife and. She's not going to win any awards for her acting. She's a beautiful woman. She's oh, she's yeah. gorgeous, and I understand. And and like I think it's really cute. They've been together for a super long time, and they've been married for a long time. And uh, I think it's sweet that he always uh, casts her. She's she's not an amazing actress, and she's always a little bit the same in all of the movies that he <laughs> casts her in. But I don't know. I get it. She's. She's got a charm about her, and and I actually like her. Again, she's not <laughs> she's not going to win any awards, I don't think. But no, um, I, she, <laughs> she, she does. She's, she does a good job. <laughs> I, I, I always felt like right before every shot with her, it's like you could just tell that the director was like, "Okay, look scared in three, two, one." <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, honey. You're doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she holds her own. She's not terrible. I no, mean, she's we, not. Horrible, we we can no we can joke but she's she's really not a bad actress she's a fine actress and um i liked her i i liked her in this movie i i, I was i was rooting for her yeah there's much worse acting in this movie than hers i didn't think most of the acting in this movie was was very good with the exception of the people where it counted um really impressed to see uh, malcolm mcdowell in this yeah as playing father murder <laughs> which well and that's that's kind of something else that i like about rob zombie like he has an ensemble and mm. and he draws people in and once he's got them in he uses them and um malcolm mcdowell played the loomis role in the halloween remakes and zombie got him back for this and He's a very fine, respectable actor, and and he plays kind of a, a cameo role in this movie. Really, I mean, I I can only imagine that he didn't have to shoot much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> days day worth of work for this guy. <laughs> yeah, and and you know he doesn't have a whole lot to do, but he's got a uh, commanding presence, uh, and and he's good. Tonight, we are going to play. 31. What is 31, pray tell? Ah, well, 31 is war. And as the old saying goes, war is hell. It kind of gives zombies, movies, I don't know, it's not like a theater feel, but it's that kind of community where you work with people and you like them and... Uh, so you continue to work with them, and and I, I like that. I think it's neat. Kind of like Christopher Guest and those uh, movies that he yeah, always puts yeah. together. Except those are more in the comedy role. Um, and and then of course we had uh, we had Meg Foster in this, and I was surprised to see her there too. 
Is she in his other films yeah. as well? She did. I haven't seen Lords of Salem, but she did Lords of Salem, um, and she's cool. We've talked about her before. Uh, she, she was in Jeepers Creepers three, which was I don't know, kind of a crap movie. I thought, but yeah. And, and we also talked about she was in They Live, uh, and and yeah. back in her heyday, back in the seventies and eighties, she was just stunningly gorgeous, and mm-hmm. and now she. You know, a little she's, weathered. She's older. Yeah, she's older and she's a little weathered, but I found her endearing uh, in this movie. I liked her. I was rooting for her. Spoiler alert, she doesn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Not and, many and people was, do. <laughs> no, and I, I was kind of bummed, you know, because she was cool. And, and, and the thing that I like about her in this movie is that it centers around this troop of carnies, really. They're rough around the edges, um, but they're like a family, and they've got each other's backs, and um, she's kind of the mother figure in this little ragtag group, and uh, I-, I liked her. I thought she did a good job, and she looks she looks good. I mean, she looks her age, which is kind of different for women in Hollywood these yeah. days, but... Imagine Carney's a little rough around the edges. You know, right we'll figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing about Rob Zombie's movies. They're gritty, uh, and and it's not about Hollywood glamour. You know, he's not just casting a bunch of gorgeous twenty-somethings in his movies. He's casting people that, you know, I don't know. They're they're not necessarily people that I would hang out with, but you know, they're they're raw, gritty characters um and and that's kind of nice you know it's a it's a nice difference from your your standard pretty 20 somethings that are getting knocked off you know these are interesting characters i was getting shades of um texas chainsaw massacre totally and especially you know the the movie's shot in almost entirely in sepia tones (laughs) (laughs) when it's daytime anyway and when it's nighttime it's all just blues blues and and Mm. and that's about it so he has a definite style style to his film and i that must be something that carries through the other movies as well right i've I've seen stills and things from the devil's rejects and whatnot and it seems to be probably very much a similar style yeah, I forgot that The Devil's Rejects was a, a Halloween movie, too. And if I had remembered that, I probably would have suggested that, knowing that you hadn't seen uh, many or any of his movies. Mm. Um, maybe we'll get around to it someday. It's wild. It's crazy. It's funny, you know, I hadn't seen this, uh, and that's why I wanted to do it. This was my choice. I wanted to do this because I hadn't seen it, and I'd been really interested. Um and watching it, like I was, I was into it. It was good. It was scary. It was gritty. I don't know, scary. I wasn't like scared. I wasn't like peeing my pants or anything. But it was brutal. And uh, I don't know. I, I assume you've seen this movie. You know, when I was talking about it to my partner last night. He would have hated it mm. as your wife would have. No I know. way. Yeah. No way. She. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I told him uh, they they could have titled this. The Running Man 2. Yeah. And and it would have been a totally apropos title, because that's what it is. It is. <laughs> it's the exact same premise, really. I was thinking the exact same thing. It's basically these carnies without a carnival who are driving down the road, and they run into some stuff set up in the middle of the road at night, which catches them off guard and once they get out of the truck they get the they get ambushed and as soon as they wake up they're in what i guess and you know i had to read the plot synopsis later to get the names of all of these people and all these places because they're not even referenced or, or talked about in the movie yeah charlie she's the cherry moon and then you have a guy named roscoe pepper who's who's jeff phillips he's the bearded guy you have a guy named panda uh, who's uh, one of the two black guys we have here. We have Panda and we have LaVon Wally. He's played by a guy named Kevin Jackson. I think he's he's affecting like a Jamaican accent. Yeah. But it doesn't come off. I don't know. It sounds It really was funny because it, it's really thick in the beginning in the opening scenes. And those opening scenes, they're driving around in their van, like they're 
Carney van. And that was very Texas Chainsaw to me. Just all yeah. of these people, you know, they're, they're smoking weed and they're having fun and they're joking around and they've got a couple of girls on the bus uh, with them who are, you know, just groupies or whatever. And um, it's just kind of establishing who they are. And, and that totally gave me Texas Chainsaw vibe. Yes. And then they, pu- they pull up to this gas station. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, how many movies have we watched where you pull up to this gas station, gas station in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while they're there, Roscoe is, is filling up the van. This lady pops up and, and kind of flirts with them a little bit. Like, it seems like she wants to get a ride with them or whatever. But it's E.G. Daly. And do you recognize her? Like, I love no. E.G. Daly. <laughs> no, I don't recognize her. What, she, what would I oh recognize Oh, my her from? God. You would recognize her from a million things. She for The first thing that I know her from is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She was the girl that had a crush on Pee-wee and that he was always, like, pushing away. Oh, my gosh. Um, no way. Yes, yes. And wow. she's like she's like the one who's always like, "Hey Pee-wee, you want to go to the drive-in?" Like, okay, <laughs> so that's her. And she was also uh on Friends. Um she played uh Phoebe's old uh singing partner and she stole Smelly Cat from Phoebe. Like and she's a oh. singer. She she's been in a million things. Well, she was in Loverboy and, uh, and Dutch and Bad Dreams. Oh my word. Yeah, I just she's great. I I love her, and she shows up and she flirts a little bit. And I knew she was in this, um, so I was watching for her. And and to be fair, I knew what her role was. So when she showed up, and it was funny, you know, it's it's just a very simple scene where she's kind of flirting with him, but she keeps talking about like she keeps saying, "Y'all headed up Jackson Way, go hunter." No, we're just plowing straight on through there, they will. Planning on doing some hunting? Now, why are you so concerned with me going hunting? Oh, just wondering. You got that domineering, gray, white hunter vibe. <laughs> yeah, it just comes natural. And, and, and it's because she's fishing. She wants to know if they have weapons mm-hmm. on board. And they don't. And then she disappears. And then she shows up later. But it... it in the grand scheme of things, it makes sense. You know, she's she's scouting these guys out to make sure that they don't have guns. After they leave the gas station, then they're driving down the road, and they come across these... It, it looks like scarecrows, but when they get out and they look at them, the Jamaican guy is like, Nah, man, it's voodoo. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Dude, his accent is horrible in this movie. It is absolutely Almost as good as mine, laughing. right? <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a cartoon whenever he talks. Oh, my gosh. Hey, look a boy. Did this monster break our hair in the ass in the Norway? You're going to get your loud ass out there, and you're going to push with the bumper up your ass. <laughs> A true Rastafarian here. I, actually, I think the acting was pretty poor with most of the people who get killed off pretty early on. The driver of the van and all that. Um, the two that girls Randy? that were in there were just terrible actresses. Terrible. I don't mean to yeah. knock them, but it was just... I, I, I'll have to say, at the beginning of the movie, I wasn't really getting into it because I found that so distracting. And I also found the writing to be kind of lame. And and maybe in the hands of a different director, or maybe in the hands of different actors and actresses, it would have come across a little better. But I felt like all of their little banter and everything that they did back and forth in the van seemed really for seemed really written. It seemed yeah. really written and really forced to me. I don't know. I imagine that they had a skeleton of what they wanted to do and what they were doing. But I I have a feeling that much of it was improvised like they they sing these made-up songs in the beginning um you know it's it's road trippy and they're stoned and they're you know having fun or whatever i know that sherry moon zombie and the guy who plays uh, whatever panda or whoever the jamaican guy is they you know they make up these songs and i know that they made them up themselves i read that so i have a feeling that some of it was probably um Ad-libs. So what exactly is the name of this show of yours? Okay, dig this. Professor Guldini's 
Mad Gorilla Monster Show. Ooh, I'd go see that show. <laughs> my name's Dodson Brad, but you're still minus one jungle girl. Oh, I could be a jungle girl. I took an acting class before I left high school. <laughs> Just shut the fuck up for two seconds. That's where Charlie Girl comes in. Charlie hardly looks like the wild woman of Borneo. And besides, you know that she is my main hustle in the girly show. Okay, we dumped the whole Borneo shit, okay? We work a new angle. The yokels have burnt out on that yarn 10 years ago. What's a yokel? Frankly, it really didn't bother me. Yeah, the two girls who just serve the purpose of kind of being annoying and showing that these guys have groupies or whatever. Yeah. They're the first to go. You know, as soon as they come across these figures in the road and they get out to try to move them away, they get attacked. And uh, the two girls get killed. And, and the the main core group of people get hijacked, kidnapped, I guess. And they take them into, gosh, I couldn't tell. Was it like an old church? That's what it looked like. It was either a church or a theater. I uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. Well, some churches look like theaters. It's you know, it's True. a really old, old-looking, um, you know, Renaissance style kind of place and goth. Not not really goth, a little gothic, I guess. But yeah. um, that's when Malcolm McDowell pops out. Right, and he's up on a balcony above them, and he's in full regalia. He's got a big, tall, poofy, powdered wig. They all look like. You know, they're from, uh, they're all about to lose their heads in the French Revolution, basically. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heavy bourgeois looking French. It's very odd. It, you know, you can tell that I think these decisions were clearly made, I don't know, man, not necessarily in service to the story, but just to give you some something cool. Like it's trying to be cool, it's trying to be different, it's trying to be so out there in all of these characters. And I have to say that's the second thing that kind of bothered me about this movie. I felt overall this movie was trying really too hard to be cool that sometimes it came across as rather silly. Yeah, I think that may be (laughs) zombie style. Is that the way he Um, is? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know that it's necessarily him trying to be cool. But yeah, he, he... He's big on the visuals, um, and and that's fine. I mean, I I'd rather see something interesting than something boring. It was neat to see them in those. The French Revolution is exactly what it looks like. You know, they're in the powdered wigs and the white uh, makeup, and it's it's him. It's Malcolm McDowell, McDowell, and then several older ladies. And what it turns out to be is that they are these super wealthy people who every year they set up this game where they kidnap a bunch of people, throw them in this old warehouse, factory, something, like a- something dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the boiler room in Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, it's like a big, yeah. um, it's almost like a big oil refinery. I got the sense, at least from the exteriors, you know, you just get all these pipes going everywhere and huge tanks and whatnot. And then the inside is all very industrial feeling. Um, yes. T- tunnels and, and, and more pipes. Steam and coming out of pipes. Right. Mm-hmm. That kind of deal. It, it's basically a stay alive for 12 hours contest. And they have all of these goons who they refer to as the heads who they send in to try to kill them. And there's, oh gosh, the, I don't even know who all the heads are. There's the first one is sick head. Um, and he's <laughs> played by a little person, um, named Poncho Moeller. He was my favorite of all the heads. He was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I agree. He I was, agree. He was funny. He was funny, but he was also menacing. Like I was scared of him. And he's like he's like a Nazi. Like he's got a big swastika. They're they're all painted. All these heads are like clowns. Um, and he's got a big swastika on his chest. And ah, oh, numero cinco, rubia puta. Te lo voy a dar fiestero. Numero cuatro. Vagabundo sin valor. Número tres. Gringo mongolico. Estúpido. That's the breakdown of the movie, is that they release these heads on these people, and the people have either, you know, it's fight to the death, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it's so much like The Running Man. I liked the movie overall. I really did. But the thing that bothered me about the movie was 
they would be pitted against these various villains. But the villains would toy with them so much that I was like, really? Like, <laughs> just freaking kill them. Like, mm-hmm. and, and there would seriously be some times when the villain would appear and be like, ha ha, I'm so scary. Okay, literally. Like, yeah. all right, go run around for 20 minutes. Exactly. And I'll come find you. Like- <laughs> exactly. Especially toward the end, it gets kind of ridiculous. He just pops in, like the last guy pops in and says something and like, all right, I'm going to let you guys like hang for a while. And <laughs> yeah. they just walk out and walk around for a little bit. And and that begs the question too with these people. I'm sorry, Craig, I didn't like this movie. That's I really, okay. I, you know, I didn't make it. <laughs> I shouldn't apologize for disagreeing with you. Heaven knows we do plenty of that. But true. No, I just, the whole premise to me, it seemed kind of dumb in a way that, like I said, I think it was trying so hard to be cool, but it didn't really have itself anchored in a strong foundation of backstory. Mm Mm-hmm. I had all these questions. I'm like, okay, so these people, okay, I can get behind. It's Halloween, so they'll dress up in these French wigs or whatever, and they'll set these people loose. And as soon as they tell these people what's going on, um, these people get knocked out, and they all wake up in different areas of this complex. Far-flung areas of this complex. And so I'm asking myself from the very beginning, are there, like, hidden cameras around here? How are these three people who are running this game getting off on it you know how are they witnessing and seeing what's going on everything we see is just them in this 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 big theater place uh which you know that's the only place we ever see them we never see them looking at video cameras we never see any sense that they're monitors or anything in there plus this is this is 1976 yeah we had video in 1976 Uh but you know it wasn't that sophisticated you know, the cameras would have been big, they would have been obvious, they would have been around and maybe in black and white and whatnot, these kind of closed-circuit systems. I just I just couldn't understand how these people would be able to watch all of this play out. At least the movie never showed us how these people would watch all this be played out. Totally true. You know, they, they run around and there's all this stuff that happens in these little passageways and all these places... And like you said, they go and they toy with them, and then they let them run around some more. They come and toy with them, and then they let them run around some more. And then, to be completely honest, the way that these people die, like the villains, is pretty let down. I mean, every single one of them just does something stupid, like they're not looking behind them. Or they charge in on one guy when there's another person standing there. Yeah. And so it's it's a little anticlimactic when they get it, you know. Whereas, like in the Running Man, like each of these people, they have their strengths and their their shtick, you know. And and it's the electric electricity guy, you know. He comes after you with electricity, right, and that ends right. up kind of being his downfall. Like somebody throws a pipe at him or something, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but you know, short circuits right, right. him out, and he and he falls. And I was kind of hoping that each of these people would kind of get it in the way that they got it, and just the chainsaw people do. The second group of people come along are two ch- two clowns, right? Uh, well, they're all clowns, yeah, but these are two. Clowns, yeah. They're called um, they're called Schizohead and Psychohead, and actually, um, they were fun to watch. But they come in in this weird scene, and again, like I said, I, th- I feel like oh my gosh, man, I'm just kind of trying too hard. To, there's so much like sexual innuendo in here. Yeah, every time these guys come in, there's 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 either like somebody banging somebody or they're like making all these sexual references to people or they're teasing people in these sexual ways and then this moment you know they're walking down this passageway and it's got this big like women's legs painted across the sides and then the entryway is like her vagina and they walk right and there they are (laughs) it's so over i mean it's like it's like a club or like it looks like it's set up to be like a club or whatever and it's called the wet kitty yeah <laughs> it's funny, and you know when that's a a, a shtick in and of itself. When it's like in um, from Dust Till Dawn, you know Robert Rodriguez and Quentin uh-huh, Tarantino uh-huh. kind of do this, but they do it every now and then. It's not like the it's constantly revisited time and time again through this movie, where it got kind of got old to me. You know, again, it felt like it was trying too hard to be shocking in this way. Um, that by the time the fourth guy gets called in, because he's apparently the only guy who can finish them off, he's like banging some girl. 
You know, like that's yeah. the scene that we get with her. I mean, I'm not opposed to any of this. I know I, I get it. They're supposed to be nasty people and blah, blah, blah. And maybe they're all kind of obsessed with sex, but it's just like every other thing is like this. And it got old. Yeah. It got so old that it just felt to me like they were just trying too hard. <laughs> you know, I, I get know. what you're saying. I'm glad that you brought up Robert Rodriguez because I feel like his style is somewhat similar. Not the same, but somewhat similar. Yeah, a little more sophisticated, though. Well, they're they're going for gritty, and I and I think that they are going for. Um, this is a side of society. Mm. for lack of a better word that's not represented in film and right. and they are you know they're they're carnies you know they're they're rough people so the sexual innuendo the scene that you were talking about with doomhead uh banging the girl i mean it was it was certainly gratuitous um and like he's hardcore banging this girl while they're watching Nosferatu like he's getting off on that <laughs> okay whatever and yeah I mean that that seems like it's for shock value but some of the other sexual innuendo it, it, it's verbal you know like there, it's thrown around like insults and like taunting and not that Anybody that I know is really like that. But something that I appreciated was that it was indiscriminate. Like, mm. they, it wasn't just misogynistic. Like, it was – they were just throwing it around all over the place. Like, at one point, one of the scary people is coming at Roscoe. It's Doomhead at the end. And for no apparent reason – he starts, uh, Doomhead starts taking off his shirt, like, before he's going to kill this guy. And the guy's like, are you trying to kill me or fuck me? And, <laughs> and, uh, and that wasn't the only time that there was that kind of banter between not just male and female characters, but between male characters, too. And it, it, it made it so, to me, that it wasn't so much like sexual innuendo or or sexual banter but just vulgar you know just mm. they were throwing vulgarities at each other indiscriminately and I, it's not like i was like oh yeah good one but i at least appreciated that it was indiscriminate they could have gone to a darker place with the women and i'm glad they didn't and in fact um sherry moon zombie and meg foster totally hold their own you know yeah. in if if anything, they turn out to be tougher than the guys, and they last longer than most well, of the true. guys. Uh, and I liked that. That's true. I, I just think like like by the time it got to Doomhead, right, and he gets the phone call and he's being all tough, like, oh, I've, I've got to get this. This is business. And she's like, don't you stop? He's like, I'm going to get it. He gets it, right? She kind of leaves her there, and he's like, I got to go. And it's like that classic scene, right? Oh, he's got to leave the woman because what he his his work is way more important than sex. And then as he's leaving, they have this exchange, which it just seems so Hollywood. You know, I could predict every line he was yeah. saying to her, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, what the f*** am I supposed to do? Well, you can stick your fingers in your dripping twat and finish yourself off or get the f*** out. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You know, pretty full of yourself. Nobody messes with Mr. Big Shot. Well, f*** you. Bitch. And you run a perfect game day after day. Ain't luck, cunt. Skill. Can I at least take a shower before I go? Negative. Take that stinking ass and hit the bricks. You know, it's just... Uh, it is it nasty. Just felt, it, well, not just nasty, but it just... I, it was so predictable and it felt so written. That okay, we're supposed to, you're supposed to be telling me how tough this guy is, but it's so cliche that the way you're doing it, it's nothing new there. Well, you're right. I agree with you on that, and it and it is nasty because basically they call in all these people, and this was you have kind of already alluded to it, but it's a little anticlimactic in that they keep bringing in these new people. And they're supposed to be scary, and like the way that they're introduced is usually scary. And then when they actually face off with our 
heroes, for lack of a better word. Like, they're just people, and it really isn't all that difficult for these people to fight back and dispatch them. Like, it usually takes a couple of minutes. (laughs) Yeah. It's not even hard. Because it's always like, it's like four or five people on one, or, you know, four or five people on two. I mean, at some point, it's easier to get the jump on them, because they're facing the opposite direction. Somebody else comes up from behind, you know, and they're sloppy. (laughs) They they just allow that to happen, you know? And they, the characters even talk about that at some point, like they have a, a conversation where one of them wants to just find a place and barricade themselves in and just hold it down because it's all based on time. It's 12 hours. They've got to survive these 12 hours. But there's at that point, there's four of them left and they vote and Sherry Moon Zombie is the last vote. And she says, let's find these MFers and slit their throats. And so that's what they do. They just stick together and they kind of wait these people wait until these people show up or they kind of you know actively pursue them or whatever and then they fight them as a group and they win most of the time and there there are there are stupid stupid contrivances where they split them up yes sometimes and it's dumb like just <laughs> out of nowhere a cage door will fall and so like oh no we're split up and we're in a cage. But, yeah. yeah, ultimately it doesn't amount to any... I mean, they just fight these people and, and they win. Where I was going, to get back to your criticism of the nastiness, you were talking about how Doomhead is banging that girl or whatever, and then he has to go to work. And then, eventually, he corners Venus. He, like, he grabs her by the throat and puts her up against the wall, and then he sticks his hands down his pants and holds his fingers up to her nose. It's like, do you smell that? Like, just nasty stuff like that it Mm -hmm. is nasty and rob zombie is not afraid to go for the nasty it's really not my cup of tea but i feel like he's going for gritty and that's fine i'm not going to be critical of it i get it i just feel like and i'm not i'm not opposed to that either i'm you know far be it from me but but it's just if, if if it had just been a little more judiciously used it would have been more yeah. effective when it's sort of in your face, overused all the, I would say overused in this movie. Yeah. It just seems like he's trying a little too hard to be nasty. You know, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't even come in at spots where it makes sense or it's clever, you know, or it's, or it's funny or whatnot. It just, it's just there. And after a while, I feel like I'm watching a written story, you know, and not real people. Yeah. Um, that's just that, that's, that's why it really bothered me. Not, not, not the content, just the amount of it and the way it was all delivered just yeah it, it's really weird you know this movie i i wanted to see it i've seen most of rob zombie's other movies um and the reason that i wanted to see this one and and really ultimately save it for our you know final halloween episode is because i do appreciate that zombie uh, kind of throws back to those gritty movies of the 70s. He's got a very 70s feel. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. You know, it, it's... For sure. It's it's gritty. It's it's dark. It's violent. Um, and some of his other movies, like uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, it, it's not even, you know, on the list of my favorite movies, but it really unsettled me. Like, it was so violent and so gratuitous that it you know, it almost kind of made me sick. Like, and I don't want to say in a good way, but mm-hmm. it was effective in, in what it did, and I, and I appreciated that. And uh, then the sequel to that, The Devil's Rejects, was, it, it amped it up even more. Like, it was just even more, and there's violence and rape and, and just all this terrible stuff that you see. And so going into this one, I had read that Rob Zombie had said this was his most brutal movie to date. And after I watched it, I was like, has Rob Zombie seen his other movies? Because, like... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it was that brutal. It wasn't, really. And I just didn't think that it was... Gosh, I hate to be critical because I like the guy and I think that he's a cool voice in the world of horror. Um, But I just didn't think that it 
was as good as some of his other efforts. It's not his best work. No. And he wrote it and he directed it. It was crowdfunded. Like, I feel like it was funded by, like, Kickstarter or something. Yeah. Two times. Like, he he had to go back and raise more money or something. Yeah. And and (laughs) the dude lied. Like, like he people were clamoring for another sequel to uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, which I think we're getting. I think that's coming soon. Um, even even though they all died or supposedly died at the end of the Devil's Rejects, <laughs> I think that we're getting an, another one of those. But he lied and said that the studio owned all the rights to those characters, and then the studio was like, uh, "No, dude, you own the rights. Do whatever you want." But like he he clearly wanted to make this movie and uh on, you know on its own I thought it was fine I know you didn't like it and that's fine I didn't think it was great I thought it was all right but just in comparison even to his Halloween remakes which are very much I I don't know like people in the horror community you know I read all these blogs and stuff you know, people really come down on those remakes I watched them I thought they were good I thought you know, if we're talking about a franchise that now has like 10 movies, I was I appreciated that he at least, you know, took it in a different direction and took it dark. And I, I like that just but in comparison to his body of work. I, I just didn't think this one really stood up and, and I was a little disappointed. It just didn't bring anything new to the game. You know, it, it, I don't think it was very original. We kind of went through some of it already. Okay, a group of wealthy people want to get, you know, some people together, right. sick some other people on them to kill. Okay, most dangerous game. So, The Purge, right? The Purge, most dangerous game. You know, that's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people get together, right? And then all these, like Running Man, you said, all these different villains are are released on them. Uh, then these villains, they kind of are different. Like two of them are ch- clowns with chainsaws. One of them is that Nazi clown guy. The other guy they end up calling in is like a big jerky. Oh, and then there's a tall guy and a sh- and the short woman who's the woman that we saw earlier in the gas station. Yeah. And they call- oh God. And I have to like, when they brought in those two, it was, I think death head, right? And death and, head and sex and sex head. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was E.G. Daly doing her very best Harley Quinn. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and literally, I love her, and I was so excited to see her, and I, I enjoyed watching her. But that the whole thing, you know, they, they hype up, oh, we're going to send in Death Head and Sex Head, and Death Head is like our you know, our last resort, because he's definitely going to get things done. And then they come in and they, you know, he's this huge guy, and she's this tiny girl. And the the visual of them together is, is, you know, kind of a striking visual. But then they split up, and then they just both get killed. Like, yeah. like it's just They're over. They're like the weakest. They're the weakest of, uh, actually, honestly, the minute they were both walking down that passage, I was like, okay, this isn't going to last long. No. Like, they're going to have to pull out some special, like, electricity from their fingertips or something to impress me. He just had a bat with some spikes on it, and she was just dancing around. Yeah, and singing like they, <laughs> and she and They're singing a singer. German song or something <laughs> like that. In die Weiterwelt nein. Stock und Hut. Stock und Tut. Steht ihm gut. Steht ihm gut. Ist gar wohl genug. Bella. Oh my gosh, come on. We already had the Nazi guy earlier. Are we really going to go back in and, ooh, German is scary, right? <laughs> it wasn't enough. And yeah, they get killed so quickly. She leaps on what's his name, um, thinking that he's more incapacitated, and he's not. And so he just, like, stabs her a bunch of times, and she's dead. And then as soon as he sees her, do- you know, dead, he just stands there and flips out while somebody else comes up from behind him and, uh, like hits him several times with the oh it, it was uh that was the first time that Carly kills somebody right Charlie kills somebody right maybe I don't know no she she killed somebody earlier too I liked that about her and I liked it about both of the women characters that I saw or read that Sherry Moon Zombie was interviewed about this and and she talked about how this girl that she's playing Charlie is just a victim in this whole thing. But it just goes to show that when you are put in a life or death situation, even normal people can resort to their most 
primal survival instincts. And I liked that. You know, they are tough, especially the two ladies. They are they're tough. And Meg Foster kicks ass in this movie. I I want to give her she props because I really liked her. In fact, she may have been my favorite part about the movie. But you know, it's it's not a new concept. I mean, you know, no. and no, the final girl. No, it's not a the final girl. And also, like, um, you know, the hills have eyes. I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of the whole point of that film. But in, even in, if you compare the two, you know, say the hills have eyes, or even something like Straw Dogs, if you've ever seen that with Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. these are like normal, sort of suburban, everyday people who are put in these extraordinary situations and suddenly be- have to become as savage as the people attacking them in right. order to defend themselves. But in this case, they're presented as kind of not normal, everyday people. They're rough. You know, they're yeah. already kind of everybody in this is rough around the edges. So even that kind of falls a little flat for me. I guess. I didn't fall in love with any of these characters, you know, in the very beginning. So when they when these rough people are get coming across even rougher people, not that they were presented as bad people no. in the beginning, it just it didn't hold a lot of emotional pathos for me as much as it would have been you know otherwise like i said like well, in, like in something like saw you know where you get these poor f- folks who are yeah maybe they did something awful but they certainly didn't deserve their treatment you know yeah. pulled out of some suburban neighborhood or their office building and then put in this horrendous trap sort of situation this grimy nasty dungeon and uh it's not the same well i'm gonna disagree with you just a little bit there because these people are presented as being imperfect and 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 rough and not opposed to taking advantage of people and and that kind of stuff but i actually did feel for them when they all got thrown in there what i liked about it especially there are some scenes early i don't know i mean they don't even really get thrown in there until like a half an hour into the movie um Mm -hmm. but then once they do one guy gets killed and they're sad about it. Okay, fine. But they're all separated, but they come back together very quickly. And I I really did get a sense of these people being like family. And yes. they they wanted desperately not just to protect themselves, but to protect one another. Very good point. And they were really upset when one of them would fall. And, you know, like the first guy that I I think it's Levon is the first one that gets killed. And they sit around and cry. And and Panda is like, that guy was my very best friend. And and like, I I felt it. You know, I felt Mm -hmm. like they were like this kind of thrown together family and they did care about each other and i very much got the sense that venus you know was was the mother of the group and she was looking out for all of them and that was that kind of ended up being her demise was because she woke up like she took like a five minute nap or whatever and she wakes up and charlie is gone and um, Mm -hmm. she she scolds roscoe i can't believe you let her go and she goes out looking for her and then when doomhead finds her she says please please just let them live she doesn't beg for her own life she begs for their lives and and i bought that i i thought that they did a a good job with that and so you know there are things that i do appreciate appreciate about it there i do want to say though that there were other things about the movie that drove me absolutely crazy because they made absolutely no sense like mm-hmm. the first guy that dies is Levon, I think, and um, then literally, like a minute later, the aristocrats or whatever you want to call them set up this big dinner scene for them. Yes, and and it's uh-huh. beautiful. I mean, the cinematography looks fantastic for this scene. It, it kind of looks like they filmed the whole movie in a haunted house at times, yeah, right? Every, yeah. Every, everything is like smoky and the lights are in all the right places and things. Right. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous. And they kind of have a debate about should we eat or not? And one of the guys is like, look, you know, if we're going to be fighting for our lives, we have to eat or whatever. And they sit down and, and some of them start eating. And then Charlie's like, wait, wait, stop eating. And she wipes the table clean and underneath it is the guy that just died as though they've been fed this guy who we just saw die a minute ago like 
Yeah. How did that happen? How did they cook and heat up this? <laughs> and there, yeah, I agree. When when Sexhead, E.G. Daly's character, is fighting um, Roscoe, she stabs him multiple times. Now, to be fair, there was a strobe effect going on, and so it was difficult mm. to see exactly what was going on. But there were also sound effects. And it sounded to me like she stabbed him, like, up under his ribs, like, four or five times at least. And I wrote in my notes, okay, so sex head killed Roscoe. And then in the next scene, he's there and beat up, but pretty More much or okay. Less around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, it wasn't the first <laughs> it wasn't the first time even the um the Nazi guy of uh, in the beginning gets a huge whack from Charlie yes. uh, with the bat right across the face and you hear this pop and you think okay, like she snapped his neck, she hit him or whatever, he's dead. And he just springs up later like there's like nothing had happened. I thought that was odd. In fact, this sort of thing was happening so much in this movie that I really thought we were going to get some twist where like, there was something supernatural. It was a dream or something. On. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there was even a dream bit in there, which I saw was I saw coming a mile away oh, that it was totally. a dream. But I was like, please, God, let this not be a dream. Let this not be a dream, because then this movie is going to finally start getting interesting for me. <laughs> yeah. It's when Meg um, falls, um, Meg Foster's character, Venus, falls asleep, uh, and she dreams that the clowns that they had just killed pretty, pretty brutally, one of them had his head taken off, or there. How did you really think cutting my hair was going to keep me down? Oh, I got that motherfucker so back on Panto, and I am feeling groovy! Hey, see, we ain't human around here. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> ain't you learned shit yet? I thought, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if this movie went there? Because that would totally throw me for a loop. Yeah. But no, of course, it was indeed a dream, which I suspected. And uh, yeah, so that it, you're right. It happens so much to both sides. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, the other thing I found was so crazy was the fact that they were continuing, like you said earlier, that they decide, well, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep walking through this crazy death trap maze place that has been set up for this very purpose to to torture us instead of just hunkering down and waiting for them to come to me. Like, that made no sense. And, and, and yeah, so there's like that tacit moment where they kind of try to explain it, like, well, they're just going to decide to go kill these guys anyway mm-hmm. but then there's this moment where they go into that the it, they go straight into the vagina right, right. <laughs> and they're into that that like really done up it looks like an indoor circus yeah right and there's a woman who's been strapped down that was just from a previous you know victim or whatever that they find and this whole thing is completely done up i think it's uh one of the characters here's the chainsaws and he's like yeah. shit they found us well, of course they found you. Right. <laughs> you know, you weren't hiding or running from anybody. You just walked down into the done-up area, you know, that was set up for your benefit. I mean, clearly. Right, right. Just this notion that they're, it's not really like the Running Man, right? Because they're in this game that's all been set up. And the Running Man, it's kind of free freestyle. And here, everything's set up for their purpose. So the fact that they're just willingly walking through and uh, laying themselves out, these, these seem to be like they would be smarter people than this. Right, you know, right. But they're not. When um, Venus wakes up from her dream and Charlie has gone off on her own and, and, and Venus scolds Roscoe for letting her go off on her own, like, yeah, she should scold him. Like, how stupid are you? Why would you go wandering off on your own. You know that the killers are out there. Like, what? what is the point? And then she finds, like, it's so random and stupid. Like, she finds this little, like, contrivance out of a music box, and she's, like, oh like spinning it and playing it. I'm like, are you trying to draw attention to yourself? Like, what is wrong with you? It was just trying to be cool again, you know? Again, it's like, oh, you wanted to put some music box, some creepy music box sound in here, and so you made the character pick it up and play it absentmindedly. It, ah, uh, yeah, that annoyed me. And and then some of the lines in this movie are really dumb. Like um, when Doomhead's finally called in, and uh, he shows up and he's you know puts on his makeup there's this whole scene and he tells all of the guards so we find out there are guards there too yeah you know there's more to this company than just that which brings up all other kinds of questions but i'll just sort of let those go for now and he tells them gentlemen 
Take the rest of the night off. I'll handle it from here. Murder school? Oh, it's now in session. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, really? I remember that. That's really? Oh. Well, and There's then so he's, like, he's like the big bad. Like, he's the last one, their last resort. And the, the aristocrats are like, well, what happens if somebody lives? And Malcolm McDowell's like, oh, that never happens. It'll never happen. So we don't have to worry about it. And, you know, the whole aristocrat all of those scenes, you know, they're just kind of plugged in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they don't really matter or whatever. But then so as it turns out, Doomhead comes in, he kills Venus, he chases Roscoe and uh Charlie and at some point Doomhead is like, "Oh, and by the way, the doors to the outside are open now. Good luck." Oh, okay. And so and then walks then, away. <laughs> Yeah, walks away. Them go out. And then Roscoe and Charlie, like, they find some sort of hatch and they open it and, and she goes down, but he can't because he's too injured or whatever and he stays back and then he gets killed. And then she ends up in this tunnel and at the end of the tunnel is broad daylight. And she goes out into the broad daylight and she's just walking around outside and she sees this house and she goes in and it's like this abandoned house and there's like this marionette theater set up in there, which we've already seen something similar earlier at the gas gas station or whatever. But then Doomhead... I mean, I liked the marionettes. That's fun. <laughs> what, they, they were, it was cute and it was appropriately creepy, but what in the world was that all about? It was like just perpetually playing in the corner of this gas station when they first showed up. Then how did it end up back in this house? Was there supposed to be some kind of weird connection here? Probably, but I didn't get An it. An aha moment? Yeah. It was, again, just like trying to be creepy again. I mean, the way she wanders into that room, it seems like it has a huge impact on her. Like, my God, falls to her knees, you know? I don't know. Uh. But anyway, okay, so then she's in this abandoned house, and then Doomhead shows up right behind her, and he brutally punches her right in the face to the point where she's almost unconscious. And then he goes off on a big soliloquy, and just as he's about to kill her, this big alarm goes off, and you hear voices over some speakers somewhere, weapons down, 31 is over, and she's won. And, yes. And Doomhead is, is super mad. Like, gosh darn it. Like, oh, I was just about to kill you, and now I'm super mad. And I was excited and happy. I'm like, oh, she made it. That's awesome. And then they show, you know, the aristocrats just taking off their wigs and washing the makeup off their faces, putting on their regular clothes and just leaving. Like, okay. (laughs) Happy Halloween. That was fun. Um, (laughs) But the the last thing in the movie, and it made me so mad. I know. Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie is walking down the road. It's totally, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style or we've seen it in a million movies. She's Sun's just, coming up. She's, she's walking beaten down the empty road to an absolute pulp. She's, you know, weak and limping and bloody and she's walking down the road and uh this van pulls up behind her and Aerosmith's Dream On is playing in the background which was There's great 70s music in this movie, if nothing Mm. else. Um, And then Doomhead gets out of the van and walks up behind her. And honest to God, I thought that he was going to offer her a ride. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I thought it was going to go there. And that's what I wanted to happen. Instead... She turns around and he pulls out his switchblades and opens them up and like smiles at her like, ha ha, I'm going to get you. And we see her like clench her fists like she's going to go down with a fight. And and then it cuts away and that's the end. And it just cuts back to this 35 millimeter film of all of them from the beginning when they were happy and dancing and, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. But that in it made me so Matt, I was like, I not fair. You're cheating. I wanted to punch the screen. She yeah. won. What was the point? She yeah. did. She won. And am I supposed to? Oh, God. 
Yeah, that was awful. Actually, the whole Doomhead thing was stupid. He's played up, and and we see him early in the movie. Actually, what we didn't mention was the very first shot of the movie yeah. is him coming up and killing this priest, and he gives this long, long soliloquy long. into the camera as though we're you know looking at him, and it's you know it sets you up quite well for the movie, and you think, okay, this is the badass we're going to be dealing with in this movie. Well, he doesn't come in toward toward the end, and he's the one right that they've got to call yeah. in to fix everything. Right. And what does he do? He ends up coming up behind Meg Foster when she's looking through a window and stabs her in the back. Right. Okay, that didn't take much. The second guy doesn't even put up a fight. No, because he's totally incapacitated anyway. So he just stands there and says, come at me. And he does, and he stabs him, and he doesn't even move his arms. He just kills him. Right. Then he comes up to her, and oop, time's up. <laughs> right. And then at the end, oh yeah, I'm going to kill you anyway on the, on the middle of the road. Uh huh. It made me it's mad. Just, like, I mean, I guess I get it. Like, he's crazy and he's a psycho, so he's going rogue and, like, he's just doing it to satisfy himself or whatever. But it's not but, fair. It was a game and there were rules and she won. <laughs> yeah. it, it made me so mad. And it just kind of makes the whole movie rather pointless, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. what was the point? And we, we don't know anything about these people. There was no... I, I kept thinking we're going to get some big reveal. We're going to have something here that's going to make me think, okay, this is cool. But no, it's just like three random rich people who put on this game for who knows how long and who knows why and who knows... Right. They'll probably do it again next year or whatever. Right. They, they just leave. This guy is going to just kill this girl anyway. I mean, and, and I saw that Rob Zombie mentioned that uh, the thing that gave him the idea for this movie was that uh, he had read somewhere that they're the most disappearances on the 31st of October on Halloween for some reason. I don't know if that's actually true, I don't know. but he thought he would kind of base a movie around that idea. Well, this isn't really even that. I mean, this would account for four disappearances, but it's not like, <laughs> like right, he's right. making a point that this is like some huge thing that happens all over the country, you know? Right. I don't know. And did they have these these video cameras uh, all the way out in the middle of the desert and in that abandoned cabin and stuff so they could see how all this panned out? I don't know. No, man. No. I thought this movie was really stupid. And, uh, <laughs> gratuitous for no I don't mind gratuitous as long as there's a point and I felt like not only was it gratuitous for no point but I felt like it was so gratuitous that for no point that it just seemed like it was trying really really hard and I could see right through it and it distracted me the whole time I just I just couldn't get into it yeah that's <laughs> and it's fair it, it, it's cool you know I I'm not going to try to defend it too much because um, I do think that zombies, other movies are better, but I guess I just still, I appreciate it because I appreciate that zombie has a style that is mm. relatively unique in the world of horror today. And I'm glad that there are people like him out there who really appreciate the genre and appreciate the history of the genre and want to bring their own voice and and style to things i I think this was a you know you talk about hit you know a hit and a miss i i think that this was a miss for him i didn't hate it i i Mm. I, in fact i liked it more than i thought that i would the very first time that i watched this i put it on like when I was going to sleep <laughs> and I, and, and I woke up and somebody was getting beaten to death and I'm like, Oh God, it's going to be another one of those gruesome zombie movies. And compared to his other movies, I actually thought this one was pretty tame. It was just, it was too formulaic. It was too predictable. Um, I didn't hate it. I, I wasn't bored. I wouldn't watch it again, but I mean, I, I guess I'm I'm glad that I saw it because it satisfied my curiosity. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel you. I, I didn't I didn't love it. I read that when it was first presented, it was presented twice and got an NC-17 from the MPAA, and finally he made enough cuts to get it to an R. And then he promised that he would have the uncut version available on the DVD or whatever, but that was never ended up being released. Like, the DVD was released, but he never had never released an uncut version. I can see where there's a lot of potential for lots of blood and effects and things like that, but for me, there was th- this was my other problem with the movie, was there was so much shaky cam and so many quick cuts that I couldn't tell what was going on half the time. 
well, you know, I, and I, I couldn't appreciate any any of the brutality or whatever that was going on. And I wonder if that was just because of the cuts he had to make, or if that was just his style too. Well, and I read, and I I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I read that he conceptualized this as a franchise. Like he planned. Oh, jeez. He planned on doing more of them, but it 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 didn't do well at all. Like I think it made like. Eight hundred thousand dollars or something uh, at the box office. Uh, it, mm. uh, Mr. Zombie, I'm sure you're not listening, <laughs> but if you are, I have mad respect for you. But um, hey, I love your music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let this one go. <laughs> it was a good effort. <laughs> it was a good effort. Appreciate it, but uh, move on. <laughs> I highly concur, and and we'll have to do another one of his too because I, I would like to see another one. You you tell me which one you think is his best, and we'll do that one. Okay, at a later date. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. If you're a big fan of Rob Zombie's movies, why don't you tell us which yeah. one we should do next time? You can find us on Facebook. You can send us a message there. Uh, you can also leave us a comment on our website. It's twoguys.red40net.com. Just become a part of the conversation. We love hearing from you. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We, of course, will continue the spirit of Halloween all the way through the next year. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah!